Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. The push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. I'm Gareth Davis. You're listening to Talk Sports Fight Night podcast. Joining me this week is Adam Catterall and, of course, Ben Davison, former trainer of Tyson Furies. We began the show this week by talking about the biggest news of the week. Yep, it had just broken. Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk had agreed to a 70-30 split. We discussed. It is difficult, of course. It's very difficult. I think that... Um... It looks as though the big chunk of that is solved, and that's something that we can be positive about. It looks like the 70-30, the split, is, um, isn't going to be an issue. Um, the nuts and bolts, obviously, will probably need sorting out. However, you would like to think that the negotiations that have been taking place between the two teams for quite a while, you would like Since to think... Since last summer, by the way. You would like <laughs> to think that some of those nuts and bolts are already sorted. So, hopefully... Hopefully, as you said, at the start of next week or mid next week, it can all be actually finalised. Um, the business of boxing, unfortunately, is, is once, it's the wild west. Yeah, <laughs> it you know, has been. <laughs> when you're getting paid or you're coming through and you're on X amount per round and you're going out there and you know you're enjoying yourself. Once the fighters get to the point where there's serious money involved and they realise actually this is a business. Mm. Um, I've seen it so many times. A lot of the passion for the sport or a lot of fighters get disheartened and it, it's where relationships get broken down and, and, and things start going amiss. So, Is it greed? Um, I just think it's... In terms of this situation, is, is this situation greed? It's hard to say, isn't it? Was it end games? Is it power broking? Tyson... Do you agree with 70-30? Because Adam and I had a back and forth before the show where we completely disagreed. I think 70-30 at Wembley in favour of Tyson Fury is okay in my view. I think it's okay. He, he, holds, the, I, he holds the power in this I wouldn't. I, I think 60-40 is fair. Yeah. I think 70-30 is okay. Yeah. Um, yeah but but, but he, he... Without him... And as he as he said, and this is a fact, if well, he fights Daniel, if if Usyk fights Daniel Dubois and Fury sits on the sidelines, not that I want that, not that anyone wants that, he's only going to earn a million and a half, isn't he? But, but, it's easy to say that, but you know, it's like if. So it does force Usyk's hand, in my view. It does to a degree. It does to a, it does to a degree. It does to a degree. You have to look at like the WBC in their rules. I think the the the. the the split 
for a mandatory for a mandatory starts at seventy thirty. We know with the Dillian White situation yep. That, yep. that they made an adjustment there. Um, so if you looked here on paper, you'd say, well, Usyk is holding yeah. for sure. So I think mm. me personally, and everybody's gonna have a difference in the, yeah, of yeah. opinion. And the reality is, in business, you're only worth what you can get. So yeah, you know. If Tyson couldn't get 70-30, you're only worth 60-40. He's gone and got himself 70-30, so he's worth 70-30. Yeah, because, in my view, because Yusick and his team have looked at it and thought, let's just take it. We feel like we've got a good chance anyway. Maybe, because they're talking about a two-fight deal, remember? That's quite clear. And it will probably be in the Middle East later in the year, the, the second fight, if it's made. It probably will be 50-50. They will probably come back because there's more money available over there. Usyk's, for me, the the way... It's been really interesting to see how this has played out, out this week. And I know that, obviously, you know Tyson extremely well. Um, as, listen, we've all, we've, all had, we've all had time in Tyson's company. The way that I look at this this week, Alexander Usyk comes across as the guy that is chasing the legacy. He's chasing the undisputed fight. He's the person that is giving the advantages away when it comes to the financials, when it comes to the physicals, when it comes to all these things, fighting in the guy's back garden, all this type of stuff. He's the guy that is chasing that down. It felt a little bit this week that Tyson maybe was, like you say, using that muscle, that financial yeah, muscle, power that, that clout, go in on, order go and fight to see, him. Go to and fight see him. how much I'll, he could get exactly, out of the particular go and fight, situation. Exactly, go and fight him. But that, does, that rubs, and, up, and, and I'll fight, no, it's, but that rubs it's, fans up the wrong I'm way. I'm not saying it's right. It does, yeah. I'm, yeah, absolutely. I think there were points this week where a lot of his own fans were turning against him because he was teetering on the because they're saying, come on, we followed you. But what come was the conversation we just had just a moment before, that this is a business? It is, but but then again, it's a business. So so Tyson know. playing that game did go and get him, made himself worth 70-30. Yeah. And I understand yeah. why, why, Adam, you feel like you're, you're obviously, you think that Usyk deserves to be appreciated for yeah, those things yeah. you just mentioned. And I 100% agree yeah. with that. Yeah. And obviously the things um, that he's achieved in boxing. Yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, it is a business, and you know, at this moment in time, Tyson is in a, in 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 a, in a good position, as it's shown. What we should be more concentrated on, I think, is the fact that it looks like that split. You know, they've got to the end of that. Like you say, Usyk has said, "Not a problem. I will step up to the mark, and and that's not going to bother me." So. Do it's we the have nuts and bolts. Of Do it we now. have enough this, time to exactly, make this fight? This, this is this is the the, the well, thing I've said, for me. I doubt it. I, don't, I just to make it for April the 29th. Mm. It's not long, is it? But like you said, the fight has been being spoke about and talked about since the end last of last summer. year. So, yeah. um, all that time has been promotion to a degree. Of course, you know th th there's lots of things that need sorting out and to. Um, to sell out Wembley Stadium, first of all, uh, never mind sorting out the undercard and mm. pay-per-view prices and all of these kind of things. So, yeah, there's a. Um, but like I said, again, some you would like to think that some of these conversations have been being had w along the way of, of, as the two teams have been in negotiations to. Um, but the optics for the sport aren't good, are they? That's the thing. The optics haven't looked good. That's what we're talking about. Whatever's going on behind the scenes, hopefully they get it over the line. You know, compared to other sports, it's always very different. And as you say, it's a sport, but primarily, underline it, the bigger the fight, the more money, it's more a business.
Ben joined us uh, pretty much for the entire show this week, uh, gave us many brilliant insights, but some of the insight he gave us was into our reaction on Connor Ben and his interview with Piers Morgan and how that felt and how we all felt about where Connor Ben now sits. Here's me, Ben and Adam breaking it all down. Connor Ben spoke exclusively to Piers Morgan on Talk TV. He revealed how his mental health has been affected since failing two drug tests in the build-up to a proposed fight with Chris Eubank Jr. in October last year. You know, I felt like seven years of hard work and sacrifice and leaving my family and, and the image I maintained was just, you know, ruined at somebody else's incompetence. You know, it was, um, yeah, it's, um, it's been hard for the when family. When you say you didn't think you'd make it, what do you mean? I was taking it day by day. I didn't think I'd see another day. You were feeling suicidal? Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it upsets me now because... Because I, I don't know how I got so bad. I got in a really bad way, but you gotta remember you gotta remember if if you think I'm innocent or if you don't think I'm innocent, I am innocent. Uh, Colin Ben speaking to Piers Morgan a little earlier on this week. Uh, I've got to be honest, my uh, I've, I've watched that interview probably about seven times now. <laughs> Uh, and I come away from it just scratching my head as to why Conor Ben has done that interview. I don't think he comes out of it um, any more positively than he did going into that. I think that was the aim, obviously, to go in there and maybe tell his truth and maybe get the fans back on side a little bit. I think he comes out of it with more questions. Uh, it was a little bit incoherent, very contradictory with some of the answers uh, that were in there and some big claims because, as he was kind of just alluding to there, I don't think he actually said it in that particular piece, but he said it throughout the course of the interview where... He is uh, appointing an accusation towards the testing process of uh, manufacturing, manipulating and concealing evidence leading to uh, the uh, the failed test for the clean boxing programme. What did you make of it this week? Well, uh, first of all, I want to say that you never like to hear um, anyone saying that they're so affected by it, by the hatred, you know, on social media or whatever it was, hatred aimed towards him that his mental health was so bad that he was thinking about suicide. And, and I mean that sincerely. Um, I thought the, the, the tenet of the interview was quite ill-advised. Um, to, to, I mean, you mentioned the VADA test there that he, he, he has issue with, and, and that's fine. And I think we need to see the evidence, but not we. The Boxing Board of Control need to see that evidence, and you, Cad. Um, but what I think he really fell down on was saying the reason why he wasn't going to the Boxing Board of Control and you, Cad, for a hearing was based on pride and that they can do one. And, and I think... They, there isn't a vendetta against him, I believe. Not I've spoken to the Boxing Board of Control, I would say, countless times in the last five and a half, six months. And I think he should have his hearing with them. And, you know, he's been advised by, you know, the uh, very, very powerful lawyers who, who know about these scenarios. And um, he doesn't accept the WBC eggs uh, explanation for him so but I, he said I, in the same it, interview that he accepts being cleared by the WBC even though he doesn't accept the, the yeah, reason there were, that they get like you say there were lots of contradictions um, it wasn't satisfactory you didn't get to the bottom of it with Connor and you know in this week since then since Monday we've got his promoter Eddie Hearn pressing on saying there's going to be a fight in June so what what the problem is it's not even just about Conor Ben the whole testing process in boxing is being turned on its head if there are mistakes made and mistakes have been made then he's suing the wrong people then well there's no point suing the board they haven't done anything wrong exactly that's he what I mean he had clomiphene and they have, a, they have a strict liability policy um, they had clomiphene in his system uh, in the testing process from 
uh, leading up to the Eubank fight, not with, with the WBC cares. So they had to take that action. Um, and, and obviously, since it's come out, um, again, um, between the two men on, on social media, Ben and Eubank, this revelation that Eubank had asked for another million. Whether this is all true, I don't know, or whether it's just them going at each other. He wants another million to have the fight. Thank God the fight didn't go ahead, because we all knew that that would have been wrong to go ahead. Um, but now... What happens? Does Conor Ben get a license and box uh, in the Middle East uh, where they probably will license him and yet America probably won't? The major commissions in America, if he isn't licensed by the Boxing Board of Control and they've taken his license away, I cannot see um, um, California, um, New York, Nevada, the main commissions doing it. You get it, get it from the Wild and Woolly commissions, but it's not satisfactory as it stands at the moment. No, the whole anyway. thing's a mess, and, and, and this week, like I said, it was very contradictory what uh, Connor was coming out with, with with Piers Morgan. What have you made of it all, Ben, the, the, the whole situation? I think it's a very messy situation. Um, Rumours of, you know, that the initial test was tested four times, a lot of questions are being asked at Conor Ben. Now, I'm not defending anybody. I'm asking sensible questions from the other side. Mm-hmm. Where are the questions to Varda? Absolutely. Listen, from what Conor Ben has said, there has to be questions towards the WBC and Varda, the clean boxing programme. Because what he is saying, he is, like I said, using the terms manufacturing, manipulating, concealing evidence. That then is obviously highlighting something that he believes has happened with the testing process. Those questions have to go back. And his scientist wasn't allowed to go into the research. Yeah, so there's a few things, a few rumours going around. One one of them being that... This has all come from Connor. Connor said all these things. They're not rumours. He said them. One of the things is that the initial test was tested four times. Why was it tested four times? Was the first three not reliable? If the first three were not reliable, why was the fourth reliable? There is... On that, there are, I don't know whether this is a VADA thing, but I know of labs that do test multiple times because you're testing for what? 200, 250 different substances. I think there's different tests, but how long is it apart? I've also heard a rumour that that from the first test to the last test coming up positive, there was nine days, nine days of a broken seal. What is the point in sealing your urine and your test? Well, it's broken down into different parts. Yeah, but if it's broken, yeah, and tested there and then, but it it was left for nine days with a broken seal from from rumours. But over nine days... Why not just urinate in a a bottle and put a screw on and say, go and run away with it? Mm. But that's what they've done. He's not doing four separate urinations. But this conversation, this conversation that we've just been speaking about is all about one test. There's two failed tests also with two, with with two po- samples. Also with clear tests in between that. So there's clearly mm-hmm. something wrong. Like I said, I'm not defending anybody, but these are questions I'm thinking, how was Oh yeah, listen. How was these UCAD tests and from what I'm hearing, a potential VADA test yeah. being tested clear in between The whole system is broken. There's there's so many questions but for Connor Benedict. A VADA team. representative needs to come here, it needs to come out and have this debate and answer some of these questions. But all Varda How is do, this happening? All Varda do, just to clarify for anyone listening, I think you probably both know this, they do the test yeah. and they take it to a WADA, a World Anti-Doping Agency lab. That's what happens. They don't do the tests. They are just a testing body. They're the facilitator you know? and they They're don't the, obviously yeah. implement any punishment. That has come from the... They're testing so on behalf of okay. the WBC. Then, so you might then well The B-sample of the claim that his representative wasn't allowed to watch the B-sample. Again, that's just come from Connor, hasn't it? 
So, but if these are the case, if this if this isn't the case, then yeah, someone yeah. needs to come from Wada, Vada, whoever, to say that's not what happened. But if that is the case, why has that happened? Why hasn't the report been sent to the Boxing Board of Control then? No, of course, I'm asking questions. Why aren't we to able? Say, to, I don't particularly um, think they should reveal the test to the pub, uh, the, the, the the 270 pages to the public at the moment. But it would make sense, surely, to. Give that test if it has that evidence. Give yeah. that uh, that that document yeah. if it has that evidence that defends Connor yeah. and puts him on the right. Give it to the boxing board of control and you can because they're probably yeah. going to clear you or give you a retrospective ban on strict liability. And there's six months up now. When Canelo tested, my, my, he, he, he the went re, to the, I hair follicles. He went back to the restaurant where they they tested the meat there. Dig I wonder. The, I wonder if the reason he he's not giving the the page the document to the to the board is potentially over this legal case of him trying to sue the board. I don't know if if that has something to do. It with might it. be, but the reason he gave with Piers Morgan on Monday was that there's a he vendetta was, against me. I, it's my pride now. The, the um, opening line was that he wanted to prove innocence. He, he was here because integrity means the most to him. Like you've just said there, if you've got a, a document there that proves your innocence, and the only people that can validate your innocence or the British Boxing Border Control and you can do while you're old license holder give them the document yeah and you've also got the WBC saying there are previous cases of guys testing positive for clomiphene give us your nutritional diet which he gave which wasn't part of his defence yeah defense. but I don't agree with and that then they, no but I know you don't agree with it but they've but let's see because the WBC is supposed to be judging him and they've offered him the they've offered him the plausible reason no, and but, they shouldn't but, have done that but but they have. So that what I'm saying is, from Conor Ben's position, the WBC have said it might have got into your system through eggs. Right. So, so on so that, at, at the think very about least, this then. Think about what Ben's just saying there. Think about that. Think about the WBC offering up a plausible reason but you, to, you don't accept it. to the defendant. <laughs> no, that's what they've done. The, the, the investigator, the judge, the WBC, have offered the plausible reason as to why a test has been failed to the defendant. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Why have they done that? The defendant is saying that the testing process, VADA, is broken. The, the judge, that, that, wait, a minute, be, be, that, wait a minute, the God. judge, the judge yeah. needs the testing process yeah. to work because they make millions out of the clean boxing program. So what Conor Ben is saying, you have to investigate it, even though we all look at it. Fair enough. And fair the enough. fact that Conor, it would have been very easy for Conor to turn around and say, yep, eggs. The fact that he's refused that makes me say that he must have something there. In he that, must have. He must have something there that for him to have otherwise so he is liable report, to be too so put the report and every all its finding is in front of That's you I'm sure that I'm sure I'm, I'm sure that that What's is going to happen I don't I don't see his case to be able to see the boxing border control they have acted I cannot see a judge having ruled that wrong when he tested positive on the 1st of September and they didn't... I, they, I actually agree I actually agree I don't think he has a case against the, the, the British boxing border control You've got to take into consideration his age. The fact that he is young. He was preparing for the biggest fight of his life. It was left to the last minute. Whether that was right, wrong, whatever. You know, you have to take these things into consideration. But I... Um, he, he must have something in that document. I'm sure eventually they will end up giving well, that Well, before we came on air tonight, we were talking about when this current crop of heavyweights go. And you and, we'll, you we'll, and I were talking about the, the, the biggest star in British boxing. And it was Conor Ben six months ago. They were on the rise. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh! Simultaneously landing left hooks and downward goes. Barely 10 seconds to go. And the towel comes in from Ben Davison to the protest of Lee Wood. But Ben Davison has decided that Lee Wood is in no fit state to continue. Just had a little bit of commentary there from a couple of weeks back. A super fight uh, between Lee Wood and Maurizio Lara. You just saw, heard the ending uh, of that contest where Lee Wood seemed to be in relative control of that uh, until he got clipped uh, on the whiskers. And then the man that sat in the studio with us decided to uh, pull his charge out of that fight. Now that the dust has settled on that, how would you feel about uh, about that environment? Because it did cause debate, didn't it? Loads of people, obviously, in the aftermath uh, were talking about the action of throwing in a towel. I personally don't think it happens enough in boxing. You obviously made that decision, a split decision in, in that particular moment. Now the dust has settled, how do you feel? Um, I feel okay with my decision. It's still always going to be a tough decision that you have to make. Every fighter is going to always feel like, and Lee's come out publicly and defended me and said, you know, he made the right decision. And I, But, 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 Deep in his mind, uh, you know, I'm fully aware he's a fighter and he's always going to think, I could have got through that. And the reality is, and I've said to Lee, that I can't sit here and say 1,000% you would have or 1,000% you wouldn't have because the reality is, I don't know. And that was the whole reason why I chucked the towel because I weren't willing to find out. And the reason that I chucked the towel was because I wasn't sure that he could defend himself. Two of the biggest comebacks that have happened in the memorable that have happened in the last couple of years in the sport I've been in the corner for, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder the first time. Um, Lee, Lee Wood against Michael, against yeah. Michael Conlon the yeah. second time. The reason those were different scenarios was I was 100% sure that they had a chance because they could defend themselves. This time, I, I, I wasn't confident Lee was able to defend himself and it wasn't a risk I was willing to take and people talking about how long was left in, in the round, sit here and count 10 seconds and let me mm. or anybody else throw some punches at you and see if you think it's a long time. So, um, you know... I do feel like it was the right decision, tough decision to have to make and I have to live with that because Lee was so in control and I felt like he was a couple of rounds away from actually stopping Lara, breaking him down and stopping him. Um, but I also do believe that it's, uh, it's something that we can fix in a rematch. It's one of the, um, the, the, the outpouring, the divided opinion afterwards was huge, wasn't it, Adam? I, I mean, I, I think just the wonder... divided opinion comes from the length of time left in the ring. I don't yeah. think anybody is against, absolutely not against, a corner 
calling time on a fight when they believe exactly what Ben just said. I said immediately that's the right we, decision. We were here and we were, we thought it was spot on. But yeah. but with, I've, I've obviously I've spoken to lots of people. Said with ten seconds to go, they automatically then revert to let him ride it out and then assess it whilst he's on the stool. But my argument is exactly what you just said there. It only takes one shot, and at the end of the day, I'd, there's nothing worse than a brave corner. Yes. If I thought he could defend himself, yeah. not a problem. The, my issue was I thought he would get hit with a shot before he even reacted to what had happened because I wasn't sure that he rushed up to get up and it was actually something that we had had a conversation about and that's not discrediting Lee, that's actually crediting him. Because, Lots of fighters do the same thing. Yeah, because it's hard. And he actually said to me after, he said, I know that we had that discussion. He said, but just and in the moment, I'm in a rush to get up. And but you to, knew it may happen in the fight. Yeah, of course. It was. We ha actually had that discussion day of the fight. If you go down, take your time. But also to the defensively, I thought the count was very quick. Mm. Very quick. He got straight up, rushed up, and the and the count. You know, sometimes you haven't got time to actually. Okay, let me take a second, gradually get to a knee, then gradually get up. Um, so Lara was actually, if you recall, that it, was actually it, why I chucked the towel, and he was right behind the referee. And was, the referee he took wasn't a step just behind back him; he was pushing him out of the way. Was, and I wasn't a hundred percent sure that the ref wasn't going to say yeah. box on or walk him back. Yeah. Because I spoke to the boxing sound. board about that, to Robert Smith, and he said, no, our referee would have put Lara back into his corner. That would have taken no, three or four no, seconds. No. I don't agree with that. I don't agree. We, we've spoken about this as well at length, you and I, Ben, not on air. It's an instinct thing, isn't it? And you're still backing your instinct right now because you know that person you spend... I, I know I've been to your performance centre so many times. I've been around you an awful lot. We've talked about boxing inside and out, everywhere. You are very close to your fighters, aren't you? And that's mm -hmm. the thing about trainers. It's a very unique relationship, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, what I will say is I've had to make three... three there's been three times where I thought I, ha I, I may have to make a call here in terms of the towel. And I feel like I've got the three of those right. In my own instincts. I can't argue with any other, other people's opinions because I can totally understand it. Yeah. The other two guys in my corner actually said initially... When you first done it, I thought, mm, too soon. And they both said, once Lee come back to the corner, and I saw him then, I thought, actually, right decision. Tony Belly, you come out after and said, actually, thought it was the right decision. Carl Froch after said, thought it was the right decision. But I completely understand from people in the crowd. The thing is, the thing from your point of view, you can live with the wondering of, was it too soon? Mm, mm, if precisely. it's too late, yep. then it's a completely different thing that you've got to live with for the rest of your life. And you don't want to be in that situation. This game's dangerous enough as it is. So you'd rather be two seconds too early than two seconds too late in that type Always. of goal. Always. For sure. For sure. Um, on, the, on the psychology for Lee as well, and this is the flip, because Lee in his head thinks, I could have, I could have survived it, I could have ridden it out, and I could have come back, and I could have beaten that guy just like I did against Michael. But he can now, because he can take the rematch. Yeah, but my, <laughs> my point is from a psychological point of view, if Laura flattens him, and it's and very it's, different. And Absolutely, it's, it's a completely yeah. different psychology entering a rematch because now he's thinking, "There's that area that I could have sorted it, yeah. and I could have sorted it." Live to fight another. Your day. conversation now with him going into a rematch is completely different yeah. as if he would have been absolutely flatlined, spot on. And I actually encourage that. I actually encourage. I encourage that bit of resistance to. I, I want Lee to feel like I could have got through that. He needs to feel like that. He has the right to feel like that because of what he's shown previously, mm. the determination, the desire, the conditioning, the will, 
um, the toughness, the grit. He's earned the right to feel that way, and I want him to feel that way. But I want dis- him to feel like I made the wrong decision. But your decision to pull him out gives him a better chance in the rematch. Simple as it that. Does, isn't it? it does. It does, and I feel like I made the right decision. But yeah. I want him to disagree with that decision. Well, our thanks to Ben Davison for joining us for the majority of the show. But Adam and I then spoke to Frank Warren, who laid out exactly what was going on behind the scenes and what will go on in the next few days to get Fury and Usyk over the line. All our hands are together in prayer that this fight really does get over the line. Much more closer than we were um, 24 hours ago. Um, you know, both the guys have agreed the split and we've got some you know some some couple of bits still to sort out but we're 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 I think we're on track for it. Are we on track for April the 29th, Frank, or is the delay that, that would be that would be the date for the fight if we do it. At one stage I wasn't sure about whether Tyson would be um, fit for it, but you know he's okay. But the but the bottom line of it is they've both come out now and, and said what they want to do and obviously we've got to, you know, get the air contracts and so forth signed so Everybody's working on that and to get everything finalised. What about those... We know that they've agreed 70-30 publicly, um, but what about the Alexander Yusik one million donation to Ukraine, those kind of things? I mean, is that being well, I, taken seriously? You, you know, let me just say something about all of this. What does anyone care about how much they're earning? Whatever yeah. they're earning, mm-hmm. they're earning. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you want to see the fight. The fight, that, that's it. The rest of it's got nobody. It's nothing to do with anybody else. Okay. The fact of the matter is, you know, it's like what's holding up the fight? Oh, this is holding up. That's holding up. Why is it being? Why is it being held up? And we get all this stuff. They've agreed to fight, so they're going to fight these guys. That's the end. That's the end of it. And all we've got to do now is say finalize a few few things but the, it's nothing to do with, it's nobody's business it's absolutely nobody's business no more than what you earn or what what adam earns it's no, nobody's business they're over 21 and they can both decide what they want to do no absolutely but we have waited a long time for this i say we that you know the boxing world waiting, that, I mean, you, waiting for can what I, can, I, can i can i finish what i was going to say what was all i was going to say was everybody wants this fight to happen the first undisputed heavyweight title fight in the before belt era um the fight that everybody wants to see no, we haven't had this since Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield in 1999 it's an enormous fight for you for the boxing public for the sporting world for the UK to have at Wembley it's extraordinary two guys in their prime both undefeated so that's what i mean that everybody wanted to see this fight but it seemed to be that there was a standoff over what each man wants to earn for this and what the percentage was. That's all I'm saying. And we've waited now until it looks like, certainly to the public, public facing, that it was pushed into action with with that deadline, with the WBA saying that Usyk would have to face his mandatory and Daniel Dubois. Not a problem for you, I hasten to add. So I was just trying to make that point, really, Frank. Right. So it's on. You know, it's, it's the same subject to the contracts being sorted out. You know, everybody's everybody's on the same page, so we've got to just keep moving it along, and and I'm sure it happened. Everybody wants to see the fight, mm. you know, and everybody should take their hat off to Tyson Fury because he's the only heavyweight since going back to those days of um, the great glory days of Yali's phrasing on Foreman. It was thought the best of around, the, the best that have been around of the generations that he's been in. He fought without a problem. He fought against. Um, Klitschko, who Klitschko was the best of his generation, went to his backyard and beat him. 
the the, the longest reigning heavyweight in uh, Dillian, uh, sorry, uh, in um, Deontay. Uh, Deontay Wilder. Yep. He went to the States not once, but three times and beat him. Who had the best knockout record, highest knockout record of any fighter, and went and done a job on him. And now he's stepping up to the guy who's who's who fought the guy that who, who, who's had two wins over the uh, over Joshua, over Joshua, mm. and and he's got the three belts. So you have got to take your hat to Tyson. Nobody's done that. You know, if we talk about Lennox Lewis and all the fighters. Lennox Lewis never fought Riddick Bow. He mm-hmm. never fought Mike Tyson until mm-hmm. Mike Tyson was well, well past his best. And I'm not taking any away, anything away from uh, Lennox. Lennox was a, was a great fighter. But Tyson, he's fought all these guys at their best. From a personal point of view, about, about the magnitude of the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world, and I know that obviously in the four-belt era, it's very rare that we get to see this. And I know that you've been close in the past with when uh, I think uh, Carl Zaghi was fighting uh, Kessler, technically an undisputed fight. We, well, I know that belts weren't necessarily on the line with politics and stuff. And when Kostya Zou came over, technically those were on the line as well. But from a personal point of view, Frank, you've promoted every 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 major fight. What does it mean to you to be involved in the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world? Well, you know, once we get this all finalised and so forth, it's great. I mean, I'm I'm delighted. It's you know, uh, as you say, it's the first time four belts have been on the line. It's the biggest heavyweight fight. In God knows how many years, um, it's the, the two fighters that are both undefeated, both in their prime. It's a fantastic event, and it would be the biggest, it'd be the highest-grossing event to have ever taken place at Wembley, beating the previous one. Which, and I'm not talking about boxing; I'm talking about a one, you know, a, a, a one-off event, yeah. and it beat the previous one, which was last April, which again was Tyson. You know, he's a he's he's a he's a mega star. There's no doubt about it, and uh, and and. You know, I'm delighted for him. This is this is a this is a fabulous fight, and again, you know, people should acknowledge in in him that we've got a, a fighter who doesn't duck anybody. With what Gareth just said there about obviously the WBA situation, what will you do with with Daniel uh, in the interim period? Because I've no doubt that he he will want to fight too. Well, they're all going to fight. You know, we've got we've got a, a good fight on the fifteenth of April in London, which is uh, Joe Joyce. Mm. He's defending his uh, interim WBO title against uh, Zhang from China, who's a bloody good fighter. It's mm. a good fight. That's a cracking fight between the two of them. And Daniel will be out sometime at the end of May and June, end of May or June, and uh, again be defending his version of the uh, WBA title. So we're delighted, and both of them, there's no doubt about it, will be will have their eyes on on this fight on the 29th once it's uh, officially announced and looking to fight the winner it's brilliant yeah it's brilliant that it is still the the april the 29th because that you know there were kind of there were some soundings out there that you may have to push it back a little when are you optimistic that you might be able to put tickets on sale for that when well we just we saw that with uh with Ticketmaster, and uh, they'll be working on that next week and Mm. hopefully we'll have a press conference Mm. once everything's uh once you know we finally get get it all signed off and so forth. But the guys in principle have agreed to it, so we move from now. Um, just on Joe Joyce, I was lucky enough to spend a little bit of time with him last week whilst I was over in Las Vegas. He's in great spirits um, and obviously training incredibly hard for uh, for the fight with Zhang. And I, I just wanted to highlight that particular fight because I moan all the time about matchmaking and, and people having tickovers and waiting type of fights. 
if you're going to have waiting fights, and another, he's obviously the interim champion, and he's waiting for his shot at the at the top boys. But we're obviously talking about the top boys here fighting for the championships. This is the type of fight that you're supposed, in my opinion. I mean, I might be wrong with a lot of our audience, but in my opinion, this is the type of fight that you're supposed to be having. Olympic silver medalist, a guy that I think beat Hergovic. I don't know how you saw it, Frank. But, he won that fight. Yeah, absolutely. But but a fantastic fight, and you've got to take. I know that you're taking your hat off to to Tyson and Alexander for making that fight. But you've got to take your hat off to Joe Joyce because that's a guy well, that hasn't ducked anybody. I, I have, and I've said it on a number of occasions for Joe. He could have sat there. Yeah. He's the mandatory. He's, he's, sorry, he's the interim champion. So whatever happens, he's the next guy in when the WBO title has to be defended by the winner of the, of the, uh, the fight on the 29th. He could have sat there and taken the easy options, but he hasn't. And he stepped up and fighting a guy who's, who, who, as we just said, we all feel, and I think everybody in boxing felt, he, he beat um, he beat Hergovic, who's now the uh, IBF number one. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, this is a big fight for Joe. And Joe, yeah, Joe you know, Joe's a you know, he, he is what he says he is. He is what's on the label. He's a juggernaut. Juggernaut. He doesn't give a monkey who he's in there with. He doesn't duck anybody. And finally this week, we spoke to O'Hara Davis, fresh off his victory over Lewis Ritson, an 11th round stoppage last week. Um, super lightweight, of course, really looking for a WBA world title shot this year. He says it's a couple of fights away, but there's definitely a new maturity about Davis. Here's what he had to tell us. Next fight, I want the world champion. Um, I know that Alberto Pello is fighting against. He's fighting against Roly for it. Um, next fight, and then um, I believe that the winner will have to face Ishmael Broso. Then I'll be made as the mandatory for this. Uh, I'll be made as the mandatory for the WBA, um, as far as I'm concerned. So we're looking at towards the end of this year, early next year. Um, I should be fighting for the world title, and um, fight I believe I can win. Do you feel hard done by O'Hara? Great to have you on the show, by the way. That that you've got away and you're ranked two with the WBA, and obviously you mentioned the champion, Alberto Puello, um, that you've got to wait for, is it Barroso, did you say, and Romero? And Romero's yeah, yeah. seventh in the ranking, so yeah. is that, does that, what do you do in the interim is what we want to know, really. I do feel hard done by, I believe that my world title show, it should have already come, it should have, it should have already been, but, but, you know, I'm a fighter, um, if I'm as good as I think I am, I will get past anyone that they put in front of me, and, um, you know, in the meantime, I believe I might have a keep busy fight during the summer. I spoke to my manager. I believe I'll be having a keep busy fight in the summer just because I don't want to be a bit too inactive and get any ring rust. Mm. So once that shot comes, I'll be ready for it. So people um, might not know but, this, O'Hara, but the only mm. two you've lost to in your 25 fight Top career is Jack Catterall <laughs> and yeah. Josh Taylor. And we know how highly we rate them. Yeah. So You know you, what? Yeah. I believe that I'm very underrated, you know, I usually look online on what everyone says about me. I'm always online. I'm on Twitter. I see everything that they say about me. And a lot of people say that I'm trash, I'm garbage, I'm this, I'm that. And I feel like a lot of people base my talent on how they feel about me. Just So just because they don't like me as a person, because of things I might have done or things I might have said, mm. it doesn't mean that I'm not a good fighter. Well, you and said something that, that, that brought your name yeah. down, which you didn't understand at the time. We won't go into it now. It was yeah. a cultural thing related to up north. Yeah. and But, but yeah. you've changed. I think you've matured, haven't you? Um, I, haven't, I wouldn't say mature. I feel like I've just become more of myself instead of trying to be another person that I'm not. You know, I was, I was um, for most of my boxing career, I've been influenced by the wrong coaches, the wrong managers, boxing promoters. And I've been, and I've been pressured 
to be someone that I'm not I'm to act in a way that isn't me just for the sake of of helping to sell their show and when things went wrong I got abandoned and you know I look back on my boxing career and now I'm more older I'm much more wiser and I'm like I just want to be myself I want to be me whether that helps to sell fights or not whether that sells fights or not I'm not going to act in a way that isn't me I'm a I'm no, but you seem more mature. I'm do, sorry, do, you seem more mature. Yeah, and I was going to say... I, I, I mean that sincerely. Yeah, and I was going to say a very similar thing. Last week, O'Hara, obviously I observed loads of your pre-fight interviews mm, and your post-fight interview, yeah. which I thought was really, yeah. really classy. You do... you it, Listen, maybe you don't want to use the word mature, but the word mature most certainly would be my assessment of your whole fight week last week, the way that you were during camp, obviously the way that you've dealt with it post-fight. And, and if it, it's it, yourself, it, be yourself. Yeah, exactly. This, if this is you, brilliant. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I am a bit more mature now um, and that comes with age. It comes with experience. The and, performance you know, was mature as well. Yeah. The performance was a mature oh, performance yeah. too. Yeah. You know what? I won't lie. On that fight, I worked my absolute hardest. I just knew that if it's a fight that I don't win, if I don't come through this fight, my boxing career, it, will, it would most probably be done. I knew if I didn't win the fight, I'd probably have to give it up. And, you know, Know, boxing's been my goal and my dream and I've been doing it ever since I was young and I don't want to have to give up my goal and my dream so I worked my abs I worked absolutely I done anything I could in camp everything I could and more I left I left no stone unturned I wasn't going out I sacrificed as much as I could just to make sure that I get the win and um I'm I feel like it paid off well I felt very comfortable in there I felt fit I felt strong and that's the way I've got to train for every fight. Well, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our Talk Sport Boxing YouTube channel and subscribe to this podcast every week. You've been listening to the Fight Night Podcast. I'm Gareth A. Davis. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.